As we are all shaken by the tragic collapse of the Champlain Towers in Surfside, Florida, and our prayers and hopes go out to the families with all of us waiting for a miracle and hoping for a miracle that those that have still been unaccounted for will be found intact and healthy and well. Yet it's still shaken us all and continues to shake us. And it really brings to mind the very value of life and how we go to every length to make sure that we preserve life and we try to discover life if there's even one glimmer of hope. So this special class is dedicated to all those that still are being searched and to their families to have the strength to get through this. And we titled this class, Finding Hope When All Seems Lost. Please join me. Hi, this is Simon Jacobson, and I'll be speaking about finding hope when all seems lost. This program is in memory of Anne Klundert. What shall we say? All of us are shaken to the core by the sights and by the stories going on in South Florida, where uh, close to a week ago, the towers collapsed. Champlain Towers in Surfside with uh, already a number of people confirmed dead, but close to 150 people still unaccounted for. Just the mere fact that a building just collapses like that in the middle of the night and that type of uh, um, disaster. So our prayers and our hopes go out that there'll be a miracle, a miraculous discovery of the individuals that are still unaccounted for. There's always hope. And we, just by the mere fact that we put all this effort in trying to find any life that is there, just tells us for how much we value life. So in a way, this is a broader lesson to all of us about the importance of life and the importance of hope under all circumstances. And thus, we'll be speaking exactly about that. Finding hope when all seems lost. It's very difficult to speak about this topic, to be very honest, because the emotions, if you really apply yourself and not remain aloof or detached, the emotions involved are quite unsettling. You know, if you put yourself in the shoes of those individuals that were there sleeping that night, in their family shoes, could have happened to anyone. And as I've said many times, the truth is a tragedy that happens to one person is really one that happens to all of us. We're all part of one human race, one organism, one creation. So as I said, while our prayers and our hopes and our hearts and souls are with the families and with hopefully the survivors, 
we still need to take lessons from this. As Maimonides says, when a catastrophe happens, it'd be insensitive, it would be insensitive and cruel if we just said it's an accident, things happen, not my business. No, it is our business, and we need to look closely and deeper inside of ourselves. So let's talk about this, both in a practical and in a psychological and emotional way. No one should ever know of a situation where hope seems completely lost, where all seems lost. But people have gone through this in their lives, situations that everything seemed, it's all over. And uh, we may have also know people who've gone through something like that. And here's a tremendous critical thing that we have to always remember. In Jewish thought, especially the mystics explain, there's no such thing as complete hopelessness. Even if something doesn't work out the way we want it to work out, that doesn't mean it's hopeless. It just meant it didn't work out as we wished. But there's always a speck of light in every given situation. Now, I know it may sound like a hyperbole and sounds like a nice platitude, no, but there's a lot of profundity to it, which is what I'd like to explain. So there's a law in Jewish thought, which really is a law that has now more or less universal in almost all countries, if not all, that when a life is in danger, even a doubt that it's in danger, we do everything possible to save a life. The expression is, even if it's a doubt, a suffix in the word is in Hebrew, or a svexvek, a double doubt, even if one shred of doubt that somebody may be in danger, so all the laws of Torah, which are divine laws, and everything falls aside, because saving a life is more important than anything. Because the whole point of all the laws and all the point of all of everything, of existence, is, is for life. So if a law supersedes life, that would undermine the whole purpose of it all. There are exceptions, but that's not discussion right now. There are exceptions for certain reasons that can be explained, but as I said, that's not the point of our discussion now. As a matter of fact, one of the expressions used to express this is actually a building falling. That if there's a collapse of a building, and even if it's on a Shabbat or a Yom Kippur, the holiest day of the year, and even if there's a doubt that somebody may be buried under the rubble, and you have no idea what happened, so you have to do everything possible to save that life. And how much more so if you know that there's definitely someone there. And we don't go by statistics and say maybe what the percentages are. You do everything possible. So, so of course, the immediate lesson in that is the dignity and the power of life. That life supersedes everything. And we do everything possible. And we see that. We see that even, we're not even talking religious law now. Look at the, look at the, the efforts the risks that people are putting themselves to try to find any life that's still there. And even if not, also to honor them, the last honors, and not allow them just to remain buried under rubble. But it all goes back to the sanctity of life and its value. So that's a very obvious lesson, and a beautiful one. I wish, we wish it wouldn't be under these circumstances, but it teaches us how valuable life is. Sometimes you need the eclipse of the sun to appreciate sun. We often don't appreciate life until we see the lengths we go to to try to save a life. 
So that's lesson number one. But it goes far deeper than that. Why is that indeed the case? That we, we always remain hopeful? Because there's a fundamental principle. And this principle is also today supported by science. That nothing dies. Even when matter deteriorates, it turns into energy. We know today that matter and energy are reversible. You burn a piece of wood, it's not gone, it's just turned into another form. Simple example, you take water, you freeze it, it's ice, you heat it and boil it, it becomes gas. So you may see the gas, or you may not see it, but the water has not disappeared, it's just turned into another form. The truth is this principle goes back, especially in Torah teachings, especially in the mystical teachings of Kabbalah and Hasidus elaborating on it, that everything has energy in it, specifically divine energy. And even if that energy seems, this, seems concealed, it's always there. There's always a light within. There's an, even a, an expression in some Hasidic discourses, which is so uncannily similar to the concept of a black hole. But this is written before the concept of a black hole was discovered. That sometimes the spark, the divine spark, that's within becomes so darkened that it's like the darkness itself has, holds it hostage to the point that it seems like it's dark. What's a black hole? That the gravitational pull of the body of the star is so powerful it doesn't let any light escape. So there's no light. You don't see light. But there is light there. On a personal level, it means that it's not just a nice, optimistic view on things, that think good and it will be good. And always remain hopeful because positive thinking and positive psychology. It's because it's the truth. There is always a spark. And you ask people who've gone through hell many times over, how did you get through it? How did you not completely fall apart? Very often they'll say, I can't tell you exactly, but something kept me going. It may have been faith. It may have been a connection. It may have been something in the superconscious. Well, it's because there's a spark. And this, of course, is based on the premise that existence isn't here by an accident, that there is a cosmic engineer that put it here, And that cosmic engineer always remains within, if you dig deep enough, you'll find that spark. So that really lies behind the whole thing. Not just that, not just, I don't want to say not just. In addition to the importance and dignity and the sanctity of life is because there's no such thing as hopeless, period. Now, if things don't work out, that doesn't mean that it was hopeless. It meant that situation tragically did not work out as we wish. But we build from that too. So nothing remains just a dead end where you say, okay, it's over. And we need to open our minds to appreciate that. So let me put it into a psychological context. Something I have coined, I don't believe I've seen it elsewhere, psychological hypothermia. An earlier part of my career, so to speak, dealing with people and dealing with different situations. And I began to encounter pain that I never imagined in my life because I had not experienced it to that extent. Suffering, abuse, hurt, trauma. 
So reading different literature, there's a concept which no one should ever know again of a horrible situation where somebody was abused, especially repeatedly, a child, will create an out-of-body experience. And that out-of-body experience will remain with them even as they turn into adults. What does that mean? That something, something that happens is so trauma, traumatic and so shocking to the system, especially if it's coming from the hurt from someone that's supposed to love you and you love, it's so unfathomable that the child, in a mysterious way, so-called detaches itself from the abuse, as if it's not happening to me. And it will be described as like someone can talk about it as if it's happening to another party. Because it's too impossible for that child to tolerate and accept that it's happening to them. Now, this is not due to any training or wisdom. It's a documented fact, and it protects the child in a certain way, because if it was happening, the child would be impossible for it to continue on. Now, this has been analyzed and evaluated and continues to be researched, and it's not completely clear, but there is that element. Almost the child who's been hurt develops another persona that's sometimes even tough, protects itself, and that inner child, as some call it, remains concealed and hidden, not to ever be hurt again. Now that's fine during abuse. It's in a way of protecting yourself. But then, once you get out of the trauma, you want, of course, to reconnect, to reintegrate. And that's a challenge in psychology, a challenge for a person to reconnect to the so-called their inner core that they somewhat have buried. Some call it the inner child work, different names for different expressions. The point I want to make is, where does the child have this wisdom to protect itself that way? So it's very, very similar, when you think about it, to the concept of hypothermia. So this is a phenomenon where, God forbid, somebody falls under ice, very freezing water. Freezing water is not... One can't survive long. Especially children, it seems to happen more than with adults. Not falling into under ice, but this phenomenon. And there was a point where children or people were discovered under the ice and there was limp and, and they were declared dead. Until they found out that the person was not dead. Because all the vital organs stopped working. But there's one spark that remains alive that was not detected until it was discovered that the body will do everything possible to save itself. And if it has to shut down the whole machine, it will. On not such an extreme level, that would be shock or other things that happen to a person, God forbid, to save life. So it will shut down many of the vital organs, but there's still a sign of life. Hypothermia is to the extreme that almost everything is shut. Now we know, so therefore no one's declared dead. You have to revive them. But here, too, you see something. And again, it's in a strange way, and I don't even want to talk about it in a positive, but it is a positive. That in order to preserve life, there's a built-in into the immunity system of the human being, something that always remains alive and will do everything possible to maintain life. Now, of course, there are times that that doesn't work, and that's when there's real death, God forbid. But we'll talk about that shortly, about after the fact. So that's why I thought that psychological hypothermia is a similar idea that God implanted in a human being that if something happens that's so horrible, 
and you can't deal with it, in a way you disconnect, but something is preserved, and the rest of the person is so-called experiencing it from the outside as if it's not happening to you. Because it's just impossible to accept that a father, a mother, a loved one would hurt their own child in that fashion. That's why children blame themselves for divorce and for other things. They have nothing to do with it because they can't accept this, this is their hero, their father, their mother, their God in a way. Children don't know how to run out of their homes if there's any problem at home because for them all of existence is their home. Outside the door, across the threshold is like falling off the earth. It's a whole different way of looking at things. Again, I don't want to digress. So therefore you see, literally medically, psychologically, emotionally, and of course scientifically, as I mentioned before, that speck, that spark of light, that even if the building it burned down, there's that ember, one ember that remains. You see how forests regenerate, a forest fire. You think, okay, it's all over, but no. Something remains, they regerminate, they regenerate, and in many ways it's actually healthy for the forest. Not the same as for a human being. We all would prefer no fires at all. But it shows you that even when all seems lost, there is something there. Now us, sometimes because of our, our um, limited vision, myopic vision, and our narrow-mindedness or our looking at things at the superficial surface level, we don't notice. We don't see these things. When there's a tragedy like this in Surfside or other similar situations and God should protect us all, you see that hope emerge in the deepest places within us and the fight to discover some glimmer, some anything that will give us hope and will hopefully discover life preserved. But regardless, that is a tremendous message about who we are and who what we're capable of. And again, we should never know of things like this, but you discover that deepest light in the darkest of darkness. So the lesson is very clear. No matter what situation you're ever in, never think it's hopeless. And if you can't remember, make sure you have friends, mentors, others that remind you and hold on and lean on them. Because that's the fact that there's always a spark of hope. Now this is not about being unrealistic and being naive and fantasy. It's about who we are. Because even if it turns out, God forbid, and I don't even want to say the words, that some of the 150 unaccounted for will unfortunately be lost to us. But the spirit of the human being should never be lost. And I would never say, oh, it was a mistaken hope, oh, false hope. No. That hope springs eternal from within us is always a reality. And as a matter of fact, will serve us well even and I'm not going to talk about this situation, even if it doesn't work out as we wish. Because even after death and even after loss, there's much to build. Yes, we grieve and we cry and we need to. And here too, no one's celebrating and saying, oh, there's hope in there somewhere. We are very disturbed. But we don't let the disturbance and we don't let the 
overwhelming feelings of shock control us. We keep the dignity of the human spirit alive in that hope. And that serves us no matter what happens, that we will turn grief into joy. And we build, as the psalmist says in the book of Psalms, those that sow with tears will reap with joy. So tears can also serve as like raindrops. Moisture. Like a, after a fire fire. A fire fire. Is that a forest fire? There's something remains and it begins to blossom again. But that's after the fact. But it all comes from the same fundamental point that there's something always in there. And that's why we go to all the links in the world to find hope and to find life. Obviously, life takes precedent over everything, as I discussed earlier. But it's all based on this principle. I remember meeting someone who had lost, a young woman who lost her husband at a young age. And she had signed her email to me and I assume this was her signature to others as well, at the end, all will be good. And if it's not good, it means it's not the end. Again, if this came from some greeting card company, it's one thing. If a person who's gone through it has a credibility and a right to say that, I would never tell that to her. But that's the truth. And that's what we learn from, that there's a larger narrative. And as difficult as it is to see when we're still in the shock of such a devastating and completely beyond unfathomable, what shall I say, collapse, we have to always remember the spark within, under that rubble, and also under the rubble, the psychological, emotional rubble of our lives. So when things are in order and everything seems to be functioning well, we usually don't go there. And no need to go there, but now we do. We need to dig deeper. And I mean dig deeper literally. To find any life. And God forbid, if it's not a life, it's still sacred. And put to rest, laid to rest, anyone that may have suffered from this terrible tragedy. But within us remains that burning spirit, that spark, that never dies. It's one of the most important lessons in life. Indeed, Yom Kippur is the holiest day of the year because of that. Because Moses would not take no for an answer from God. No to forgiving the people after they did a terrible crime. Because there's always the spark. And indeed he prevailed. And therefore we have the holiest day of the year. That nothing is impossible. The birth of hope, the birth of forgiveness, the birth of rebuilding, reconciling, even when everything seemed lost. This lesson, a message, is relevant to us in every aspect of our lives, our own personal lives, if you ever go through a situation where you feel things are lost, relationships that have been betrayed, 
other experiences in life that seems like, you know, where we feel it's all over, it's all lost. Betraying ourselves, the dreams and aspirations and promises broken, dreams shattered, where we all come to a conclusion very often. Well, we're not all, but we, many of us come to a conclusion that damaged goods, I'm damaged goods, too late for me. All these attitudes are proven wrong by this principle that the spark always remains alive. You may not see it, you may not feel it, but it's there. And sometimes, yes, we may need faith to hold on to it. But it's not just faith. Look around in history, in the world around us, scientifically, the different examples I've given. You see it again and again. I've seen it so many times. Unfortunately, people have gone through the worst of the worst, and they came through it, healing, recovery, at a, a great, at great expense and great pain. Not denying that. It didn't come easily, but it's there. So no one can ever argue and say, no, it's impossible. So as we pray and hope and feel for those that are suffering right now, we take tremendous lessons from the experience in our own hope and our own belief in a miracle. And in every given situation, no matter what happens, to find that divine spark, the light that may be embedded deeply, but it's there. And to conclude with the words of Michelangelo, when they asked him how he sculpts those beautiful angels in the marble, he said, I see the angels trapped in the marble, and I carved and carved and set them free. The angel is within you, the flower within you, the music within you, the spark of light. But sometimes it's trapped in marble, or in concrete, or under rubble, of all sorts, physically, metaphorically, spiritually, emotionally. And we know that there is an angel in there. We need to carve and carve, dig and dig, and remove the rubble and discover the life within. God bless those souls. May they be found quickly, intact, life intact. God bless the families that they should have the strength to deal with these challenges. And God bless you and all of us in our own journey in life that we get through anything and always find the light within it all. Thank you very much. This has been Simon Jacobson, Meaningful Life Center, MeaningfulLife.com. Please go to our website where you can find resources of all sorts for times of joy, times of challenge. And please share, comment, feedback. It's all deeply appreciated. We are all in this together. This program is brought to you by the Meaningful Life Center. Please help us continue our programs. Make even a small contribution at MeaningfulLife.com donate.